morning and welcome. If you have a Bible, please turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 as we begin together uh, this morning. What if I told you that you were made for community? Uh, You were made to live in fellowship and relationship with others. Uh, That unlike some of our, our, our more natural inclinations, the Christian life is actually to be shared. It is not a, a solo project. Uh, there are, uh, we could maybe summarize, two, two primary or, or broad categories of, of how we live life, how we approach life, maybe even a philosophy for some. Some look at life and it, it is very individual. It's very private. Privacy is, is not only a right, it's, it's almost a virtue to some of us. And this is a very American of us, isn't it? To, to want our privacy, want, want our individuality, want to live life kind of the way we want to. And yet this is also the road that can lead to isolation. The other category or approach is one that we're going to call community. This is actually living life together. This is much more common in other cultures and in other countries where families might stay together or smaller villages that are unified together. Yet this idea of community, this idea of of fellowship, this idea of life together, I believe is what the scripture is actually calling us into. It's not just what I would believe, but but the, the hope is today that we can present this morning a case for community. As we look at the scriptures... Our hope is to see God's design and to see it as good. And in response to it, desire to participate in God's plan for life together. Would you pray with me before we get started, Father? uh, We're asking for your help this morning. Uh, Father, uh, as we look at the scriptures, our desire is to be obedient to them. I think all of us would agree with that this morning, or many of us would. And so, God, I would pray that you would help our hearts and minds to be receptive to your word and to respond as you would have us to this morning. I pray for your help in sharing this morning from your word. I pray that you'd receive the glory in all of it. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, this morning, we want to look at three, three points uh, that go like this. What community is, why community matters, And thirdly, how community works. First, what community is. If you look in your Bible at Acts chapter 2, we get to see this picture of what Christian community can look like. Acts chapter 2, verses starting in verse 42, reads like this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who lived were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with one another. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, 
those who are being saved. Now, this is the early church, and, and this is not exactly how life is for us today. And yet, from it, we can see some pretty important, pretty significant, and in many places, absent qualities of life together, of what Christian community can look like. This is what it can look like. It can look like fellowship. It can look like unity. It can look like communion. These believers were gathered together. That means that they were spending time together, not just at church. They were having time together elsewhere. They had all things in common. There there was a, a unity in their life that they had together. They were caring for the needs of one another. There was generosity towards those, everyone, those in need. They went to the temple together. They ate together. They worshiped together. They, they, they prayed together. They were being taught the scriptures together. And they grew numerically together. We get a picture here of, of what this New Testament church, early church, looked like. A group of people who bonded together around the work of Jesus. And they got together and they spent time together. And they they worked on their, their spiritual disciplines together as they prayed together, and they cared for one another together. If you look in your Bible, well, actually, it's in, on the screen for you. Another example of this is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And Paul writes this, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because we had be- you had become dear to us. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church in the, t- in the town of, of Thessalonica. He's writing to believers, and he's saying to them that my desire for you was to come and to, to preach to you the gospel, but not only give you the gospel, which is vital, but our own selves. Not only sharing God's word with you, but actually sharing my life with you. See, the Christian life is not just us sharing the Bible. It's us sharing our life, which the Bible calls us to, which is very much in line with sharing the Scriptures. So in the book of Acts, we see this lived out for us in this very um, short summary in chapter 2. And then later, the Apostle Paul gives us another picture of this, not only sharing the gospel, but sharing our lives. One pastor says this, We are called to share our lives with other believers. It is necessary for us to be involved in each other's lives, for devotion, for fellowship, for a meal, and for prayer. That's what community is. That's what community looks like for God's people. Why does it matter, though? Why does it matter? Why do I need community? Some some of you might say that that, that I'm a Christian. I don't actually need community in order to be a Christian, right? I can be a Christian without anybody else. So why does this matter? Well, here's one of the reasons why it matters, because whether, whether we like this or not, here's the, the reality uh, for you. That as you became a Christian, you became part of something. You became part of something far bigger than yourself. And I became part of something far bigger than myself. That coming to Christ is not just this individual decision that affects no one else around me. No, actually, I've linked into a a group 
the family of God, the called out assembly of God's people, the church, corporate, broad, universal, but also local. And with that comes responsibilities, actually. And with it comes blessings. And sometimes we don't maybe major on, on the responsibilities of being a member in a church. And yet there are. There are. There are, mem- there, there are uh, responsibilities that, that you and I both have to this local body, to the church in general. Paul gives us an illustration of, of how this looks in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to turn there. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he gives us an illustration. This is kind of a common illustration that uh, many of you have probably heard. And he refers to the church as the body. And we as members of the body. If you look at verse 12, we'll start there. Chapter 12, verse 12, 1 Corinthians. For just as the body is one, it has many members. And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we all were baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we all are made to drink of one spirit. What we find out is that we belong to one another. We belong to one another. That coming to Christ, being part of the church, means that we belong to one another. Whether you like that or not is is kind of irrelevant. (laughs) You belong. We belong to one another. We are part of a family. Are there times in life where people in your family get on your nerves? Yeah. Are there times in life where, where you, you have difficulty with other people? Yes, but you're still part of the family. And what do we do with that? We don't necessarily run away and, and never deal with that, but we, we confront and we repent and we look to reconcile. Right? That's how families work. That's how God's people ought to handle our problems. But we belong to one another. We belong. You are part of a body. You belong to one another. Secondly, we see that you need one another. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. Then he goes on to talk about uh, the different parts. It says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make it, uh, wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, would that make it any less of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But it But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Here's the truth for for you and me. We need each other. You, You can't be the whole body. You're not the whole body. I'm not the whole body. I'm incomplete without you. You're incomplete without me. You are in need of one another. We are in need of one another. Not only are we in need of one another, but we actually affect one another. We actually affect what's going on. Verse 26 says, If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. But there's, there's a connectedness in the body of Christ that we actually it actually matters. You actually matter to the whole body. 
sometimes I, I, I think that some Christians think that they don't actually matter. That if they don't have a, a teaching job or they don't have an upfront job, that their, maybe their attendance doesn't matter, their involvement doesn't matter. That's not true. Why is that not true? Because I said so and I'm a pastor? No, because 1 Corinthians 12 is telling us that each member plays a part. And that without that member, we are not a whole body. So your absence, your, your in, inactivity, whoever that, that is, that matters. That matters to the whole body. We are many members, but we are one body. We are made to be together. We are made to be a community, community with other people. You need each other, and each of us needs you. Another illustration is given in 1 Peter. I'm going to turn over there this morning to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're in lots of places this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, we get another illustration given to us. And it says this, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here's the the second illustration. That that you are a living stone. Part of the building of a spiritual house. The, the imagery is that these stones create or together build a spiritual house with Christ as the cornerstone. And the point that is being stressed here is that you have a role and a necessity in the building of the house. So if we further the, the, the analogy or the illustration, is that what would happen to the, to the house, to the wall, if one of the bricks was to be taken out? What if multiple bricks were to be taken out? What would that do to the wall? Well, it would be incomplete, definitely. It it would compromise the integrity of the wall, the legitimacy of the wall, the the strength of the wall. It It wouldn't be what it was designed to be. It wouldn't be what it was created to be. It couldn't be. Why? Because these bricks are missing. These stones are missing. And they're vital to the building of this house. So let me ask you, have you ever experienced a situation like like this in this way, that your involvement, your presence was required of you? That without it, things wouldn't be what they should be? Maybe you experienced that at your work. Maybe you experienced that, that at home. But I, I want to invite you into this. We experience that here. That when the, the, the church of God is absent, when the members or the, the stones, that we are incomplete. We need you. That's what these, these passages are, 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 are telling us. This isn't to be, to be a, a, a guilt uh, guilt-ridden sermon at all. It is meant to say this. 
you're important. You're important to us. That we're not what we can be without you. These illustrations serve to express the significance of each member and of each stone. We are better together. And despite our, our, our fears, maybe, of, of being known or our desire for, for privacy, uh, the truth is that, that even you are better together. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, writes in a book called The Four Loves a chapter on friendship. And in this chapter, he briefly describes the change in a, in a, in a relationship uh, that, that he had due to the death of one of his close friends. And in this short passage, he explains that the meaning and the profit and, and even the, the implications of friendship and connections on not just himself, but on those around him. And he writes this. In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Caroline joke. Far from more of Ronald, having him to myself now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. In this, friendship exhibits the glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven itself, where the very multitude of the blessed, which no man can number, increases the fruition which each has of God. For every soul, seeing him in her own way, doubtless communicates that unique vision to all the rest. That, says an old author, is why the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6, in Isaiah's vision in chapter 6, are crying out, holy, holy, holy to one another. The more we thus share the heavenly bread between us, the more we shall have. What is C.S. Lewis trying to say there? He's saying that what we have together is better than what I could have on my own. That, That my friendship with someone is made better by another. And the loss of this person actually affects other relationships. Here's the implication for you. You actually affect other people. You do. Your presence actually is a benefit to other people. You might not even know that. That you matter. You're not just sitting there without any implication to someone else. That's not true. Don't believe that. As part of the family of God, you matter. Other people need you, and you need other people. Other people cannot be what they were made to be without you. Can you believe that? That this church can't be what it's made to be without you. That's how much you matter. I can't know God as fully without you. That I know God more because of you. Like most of you know that, right? There, there's people in your life where you've learned about God because of that person. 
because of how God has worked in their life, and you see that, and you witness that, and you hear that. I mean, last week we heard Ken. We know God more because of Ken's testimony. You understand that? That's what we're talking about, a community that builds into our lives, and we are better because of it. We are more like Jesus because of it. We know God more because of it. That's what community looks like, and that's why it matters. Now, whether you are outgoing or you're introverted, um, you matter to the community, the community of God's people. Your role here matters. There are no situations in the, the biblical text about the Christians who would just rather keep to themselves or the ones who are, are not, uh, quote-unquote, people persons, right? Uh, that, there, there are no outs for, for us. And listen, left to myself, I like to be alone too, right? I don't mind that. But the point is this, is that we're called into something bigger than ourselves, bigger than our comforts, bigger than our desires. God calls you into a life, not only eternal life in heaven, but a life of community with God's people now. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book called Life Together, and he writes a short passage that I would like to, uh, to read as well. There's a lot of reading here, but stick with me. In a Christian community, everything depends upon whether each individual is an inseparable link in the chain. Only when even the smallest link is securely interlocked is the chain unbreakable. A community which allows unemployed, that means unconnected, members within, within it, it will perish because of them. It will be well, therefore, if every believer receives a definite task to perform for the community, that he may know in the hours of doubt that he too is not useless and unusable. Every Christian community must realize that not only do the weak need the strong, but also the strong cannot exist without the weak. The elimination of the weak is the death of fellowship. Read that last sentence to you. The elimination of the weak is the death of fellowship. What does that mean? That means everybody is necessary. That means that the, the one who, who is walking with Jesus faithfully is in as much need as the one who is struggling, as the one who is struggling is in need of the one who is strong in their faith. You all are needed. We all are needed. I need you. We need you. And you need us. Thirdly, how does community work? How do we actually live in community? How do we get this idea of community? Are you suggesting, Mark, that, that we all go live in some commune together? I mean, this, this doesn't sound good, right? This sounds like, uh, Acts chapter 2 doesn't sound like a good time, right? Some of us want to get away from our families, not continue to live with them for the rest of our life, right? That, is, is that what you're suggesting? And, and no, that's not what we're suggesting. We're not suggesting that there's a literal sense of living together that the Bible is calling us to. We're actually suggesting, though, that it is a lifestyle of caring for one another in life with one another. But how do we get it? Back in Acts chapter 2, in the beginning of the book, we find out there were, there were some events that preceded the, the scriptures that we, wrote, we read. And the events preceding those happened in the beginning of the book, the beginning of the chapter. And those events are called the day of Pentecost. 
And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes to the church. And he begins to indwell believers. And that is a game changer. How do we get community? How do we get this sense of fellowship with one another? Why would we ever? Somebody think about somebody, think, I have nothing in common with that person. Nothing. We don't have the same kind of job. We don't, we, our families are different. You could list a long, long list of why you don't have anything in common with them. And yet, what Acts chapter 2 tells us is that they did have community. Why? Because of the Spirit of God. Because in Christ, you are called into one body. You are called into one family. And the Spirit of God makes all the difference in community. There are communities that exist, right? That, that rally around an idea or a person or a thing. And they, they, they can do their thing about that. It's a club or it's an uh, organization. We rally around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And when you come, you and I come together under that premise, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what your, your likes or your dislikes are. We come together unified in the person and the work of Jesus. The Spirit of God makes all the difference in the world. Galatians chapter 5 tells us this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. How do all those things exist? The fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is the game changer. How can we get community in our church? Well, it's, it's there to, to be had. Why? Because the Spirit of God is here. If, if you name the name of Jesus, if you are part of the family of God, then you too can be part of community in Christ. The Spirit is God's gift to His people. Jesus promised it, and He came, Acts 2. We have community through the Spirit, through the gospel, because the gospel, we find out that God makes us alive together. That we're one body, one spirit. That he has given to each of us this unifying spirit. And that is the Holy Spirit. Now practically, one way that we can foster a sense of community and fellowship in our local church is through what we call life groups. Now, life groups uh, is a, a small group type of ministry. That's probably a word that might make more sense to uh, some of us. It's a ministry uh, of groups. The groups are in sizes of, of maybe 8 to 12 people. Uh, our desire is that they would meet twice a month, most likely in a, in a home. So what, what is, what is a, a, a life group? What, what are we even talking about? And why are we talking about it? We'll get there in a second. But what is it? Well, it is a place of, of connection. It's a place of care, it's a place of community, and a place of fellowship. We see these groups as opportunities to connect. Connect with our faith family. You come here on a Sunday morning, and you sit in a room with 330 people, and uh, some people on this side walk out that door, and you don't got a chance. Right? You don't have a chance. You're never going to meet them, at least not without a lot of intentionality. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. So these these groups are an opportunity for us to connect. Connect with people we don't know, connect with people we do know. 
It's, it's an opportunity for relationships. Relationships require time and energy. We all know that. And so is the idea of life group another thing that you have to do? Well, is it a commitment? Yes, it's a commitment. Our desire would not be for you to look at it like another responsibility, but an opportunity, an opportunity to know God's people more, connect with other people, to build relationships, to be known and to know others. Secondly, we see it as an opportunity for growth. Growth through what we're going to do is sermon-based discussion in scripture application. Now, these are not Bible studies. So let's try to try to find a new uh, paradigm. If, if you don't, if you can't get out of uh, that paradigm, try. try. Uh, this is not a Bible study. Uh, this is a, a, a group. This is a life group. And in the life group, we will use the scriptures. Definitely. We will look at the scriptures. We will want to know what God has to say. We'll want to know God more and we'll want to become more like him. We're going to do that through um, application questions based on the sermon of the week. God has given to our preacher, whoever that is that week, normally Pastor Wigan, his word for us. That's God's word for you, right? If you believe that, then, then we want to chew on that a little bit more. God's appointed pastor of our church has given to our people a message, and we want to chew on that. We want to know what that means and how that applies to our life. So in life groups, we're going to take time to look at how that applies, how, to, how that applies to us individually. Uh, pastor could do a, a good job of, of giving application points, but individually, that, we do that. You do that. And in groups, we're going to try to help foster that. Thirdly, it's a, it's a place to share with one another. It's a place to come and to know that there are other people who actually care about you, care about what you're going through, that you're not alone. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. It's a place where you, you are reminded that you are never alone, not only because of the family of God, but because of God himself. It's a place where we can pray with each other and for each other. We have opportunities for that already on Wednesday night, but this will be a, a, a specific opportunity, a more intense and more personal opportunity for you to take part in. Really what we're saying is it, a life group is, is a place where we can walk together through life. That's actually what discipleship really is. Discipleship is not a ladder that I pull people up to where I'm at. That's not what it is. Discipleship is, is a road that we walk on together. One writer has said this, in the end, we are all just walking each other home. That's what life is. Life is that we're walking home. Don't, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. If, if someone's got sin in their life, it, it's, it's not this um, crazy thing. They're off the path. That's what happened. They got off the path. What do you do when someone gets off the path? You help them get back on the path. You say, no, 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 the path's over here. Come over here. It's not because I'm smarter than you or better than you or I'm judging that you're in poison ivy. <laughs> no, I I'm telling you that this is the path. So, so, so come over here. Like, that's what the Christian life is. And a life group is an opportunity to be surrounded by people who all have that same mindset and all want to walk together in life, caring for one another, sharing our burdens together, have you ever felt like there's no one else who understands you? 
you ever felt like you have this load that no one else, I can't tell anyone else about it? Or maybe it's a family problem, you can't talk to anybody in your family. Maybe it's a work problem, you can't talk to anybody at your work. And what would it look like if you were in a, in a, in a family, a small family, a faith family, a life group, where someone actually cared about your problem and prayed for you? You can't fix all your problems. That's not what we're suggesting. But they pray for you, and they share the burden with you. Finally, life groups are also about reaching out. Our desire for, for this ministry is not to be that our group here huddles up in a home somewhere and battens down hatches. Right? That's not what we desire for Sunday morning either, for that matter. But that's not what we're doing here. These groups of 8 or 12 people, our desire, our vision is that they actually grow. Actually grow. They grow through more people be, being invited in. They grow through, through your neighbor hearing about it, you telling them about it. They grow through the guy at work who is in need, alone, or hurting, or the new couple who moved in across the street. And then we split, and we make another group. We, and we continue to grow. Listen, in the book of Acts, that's what happened. They kept growing. They kept multiplying. Why? Because they were sharing together. They were caring together. They were living out what Jesus was actually about. Not just coming together once a week, but actually living life together. That's part of what this is about. It's about being an on-ramp to, to get to know Jesus first, and also an on-ramp to our church. What would it look like for your friend to first meet eight or ten people that you know before they come sit in a room of 300 strangers? What would that look like? For some people, that would be far less intimidating to come to a, a gathering at a home they come to a church they've never been to. So why life groups? Why, why are we doing this? Why, why, would we, why would we do that? Isn't everything just fine? Can't I just keep coming to a service? <laughs> what's wrong with church? Right? What, what, what's wrong with coming to a service? Well, there's nothing wrong with coming to a service. There's nothing wrong with that. And we're not going to stop having a Sunday service. That's not what we're suggesting at all. But it's been said this way, that the corporate gathering is, is, is the air war if you will. It's the proclamation. It's you come, you hear, and you go out and live. Yes. And the ground war is our, our ministries like life groups that, that are in communities, that are embedded in, in our culture, in our neighborhoods, in homes, where you're going to be able to meet specific needs in ways that we could never do that at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. We're going to be the church, not just at 11 o'clock, but we want to be the church all week. We want you to be the church when, it, when you're at work. We want you to be the church when you're in your neighborhood. And life groups might be an opportunity for you to begin that process a little more specifically. Why groups? Because community doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles. It happens in circles. You don't get to know someone by looking at the back of their head, Right? You're going to spend an hour here, and you didn't know anything more about the person really sitting in front of you than you did when you walked in. Truly. Right? That's not bad. I'm just saying that's not how community happens. Community happens when you sit around and you look people in the eye. And you actually talk to people. And you, and you interact with people. And they hear about your story. And you hear about their story. And you care about them. And they pray for you. That's how community happens. That's how God's people get to know one another that's how the church 
grows together. Why do we think community is God's plan? Well, because in the beginning of the Bible, we find out that God actually exemplifies this. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, God says this, Let us make man in our own image. Let us make man in our own image. Who's he talking about? Father, Son, Spirit. God is in community with himself. He exemplified this. God's not a lone ranger. Jesus wasn't a lone ranger. You and I are not to be lone rangers either. God has given us each other. God has given us each other. The Christian life is better lived together. Can you live the Christian life alone? Yeah, you can. It's true. You can. That's not how it's designed. That's not how God designed it. God desires for you to live life in community, in fellowship, together with God's people. We want to invite you to consider being part of a life group. This week, you're going to get an email, if you're on the email list, um, with some details about it and uh, a link to a spot on our website where you can sign up or you can go directly to our website today and, and find it for yourself. There's a few feedback questions and some, uh, some information to help us uh, get things moving in the right direction. We would invite you to do that. Um, consider this your personal invitation to be part of a life group, to be part of a, a community here in our own, in our, our own town. Brothers and sisters, uh, we were, you were, I was, made for community. God has called you into it. The question isn't, is community a thing? Is fellowship a thing? The question is even why. Those aren't actually the real questions. The question is, are we living in community? Life groups is an opportunity to begin doing just that. Let's pray. Father, our prayer this morning is that we would honor you with our very life with all of our life. And God, I would hope today that as we have considered considered your word, considered the idea of, of what it looks like to be in community, that you might even encourage each one of us to consider what, what, what does that actually mean? Uh, day in and day out. What does that mean for this idea of life groups? Maybe it's time. God, for some of us to, to step up and step out. Maybe it's time for some of us to start giving of ourselves because we recognize that um, we actually matter to the body. That you designed it that way. So God, I would ask for you to, to do whatever your spirit wants to do. You would help us to be obedient to it. Father, from, uh, from this assembly of people, we might grow together. We might grow closer to one another. We might certainly grow closer to you. And Father, the impact and the, the reach of the gospel would be extended from this building into neighborhoods and homes all around. That's our, our desire. It's our vision. 
That's your vision for more, for more of your disciples, for us to grow and become better disciples. God, we pray for that. We pray for your help. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stay together and sing. In my life,